Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Places today. I want to just kind of, uh, <clears throat> it's great to be able to just dig out some great revelatory truth sometimes, but sometimes you just got to go back to the elementary truths. And so I'm just going to do that today on this Sunday morning. John 3.16 and Acts 2.38 will be my two verses of scripture today uh, that we're going to just look at here just for a little while. And I'll be mindful of your time. Amen. I trust that you've had a great uh, celebration of your independence uh, over these past few days. And uh, just be thankful that uh, we're a country that's still able to exercise some of the freedoms that we have. Amen. Such as this one here this morning, gathering together. John three sixteen. many of you could perhaps quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Acts chapter number 2, verse number 38 states these words. This was the response that Peter had to those that were on the day of Pentecost when they asked that question, uh, men and brethren, what shall we do? Uh, he said, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so I want to look at some of these elementary truths today. Probably just be looking at some faith and repentance this morning as, as we look at the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I love you again, Lord Jesus. So honored, Lord, to be here, Lord, in this house, God, and among your people. I pray, O oh Lord, today that you would touch our hearts and our minds afresh as we look, Lord, at some very well-worn, Lord Jesus, verses of Scripture today. God, help us, Lord, God, to grow, Lord, by them. Your word says that we are are to grow thereby the word of God I know Lord that you're able to enlighten us and help us this morning I put my faith and my trust and my confidence in you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray amen and amen everybody say amen Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Faith and repentance. Uh, whenever we begin looking or we ask ourselves, and again, these are maybe some elementary uh, elements for some, but maybe not for others. What are some of the scriptural steps for salvation? And number one, I believe we would uh, perhaps all agree is that you must have faith in God. You must have faith in God or have faith that there is a God. Uh, the writer of Hebrews told us that he that comes to God must believe that he is. And so it is important then that we have faith in God or faith to a God. And that may seem uh, very basic, but we live in a society uh, in which some people don't even believe in a God. Uh, there are others that believe that uh, there's some essence of God uh, and that God is mostly found within themselves. And uh, there's others uh, that believe that Allah is God. And, and there's, there's a variety and gamut of beliefs today about this idea of God. But we must have faith in God, the God. Believing and trusting in him is a very essential step, first step, if you will, to salvation. The Bible says, and these scriptures will not be for, before you this morning on, this, on the screen. We have several scriptures here today. But in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, uh, the, the hall of faith chapter, the Bible says, but without faith, 
it is impossible to please him. Speaking of God. For he that cometh to God, here it is, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Whenever I come to God, I approach God many times through prayer and I approach him on a daily means even as attending here on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or Wednesday because I have this belief when I come here, I'm going to meet God here. I have a belief that whenever I come here, there's going to be some type of uh, interchange, some type of communication that I'm going to have uh, with God. And many times when I come to this place, I don't come alone. And I'm not talking about my wife and two kids. But I come sometimes with baggage from my week. I come sometimes with some needs and I come sometimes with some problems. And I come seeking God needing more so than just seeing your smiling face, which I appreciate, and that's, that's, that's kind of you, and I appreciate that. But more than that, I, I need God, and, and I believe, I believe in my spirit that whenever I get here before I leave, something can be fixed. Something can be made whole. Something can be made satisfied or better. And, and a lot of times, more times than not, I would dare say that I'm not disappointed because he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but wrath of God abideth on him. He further says in James 2 and verse 19, Whenever speaking, thou believest that there is one God, he said thou dost well. He said the devils also believe and Tremble Now, it would be horrible to succumb to a level uh, less than that of the adversary to not believe in God because the devil even believes in God and trembles. And to not believe in God is to have lesser of a belief than what the devil even has. Amen. Because the devil believes that there is a God and even trembles. But another aspect of our salvation experience is is repentance, asking forgiveness from the Lord and turning away. I think this is a critical point of repentance and that is turning away from our sin. It's not just getting forgiveness for our past, but it's trying to walk differently in our future and turning away from our sin, amen, to believe God and on his word. He said in Luke 13, 5, Jesus said, he said, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise Perish. Repentance is a very important part of our salvation experience, not to be overlooked. On that mode, a daily time of repentance with the Lord is very important to our relationship with God. It is not a one-time thing that we do at an altar of prayer whenever we come to the Lord, but hopefully, as the apostle said, that he died daily, speaking of his repentance, hopefully it is something that we do Daily, amen, unto the Lord. And he said, and, and again, to denote how important it is, he says, except you do this, he says, ye shall likewise perish. He said in Acts 3, 19, he said, repent ye therefore and look and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So there is purpose in our repentance so that your sins may be blotted out. I always take confidence from Acts 2 when it tells us that we could repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for, everybody say for, for the remission of sins. And with that, I understand 
Baptism alone does not just remit my sins and repentance alone does not just remit my sins, but repentance and baptism together. Uh, you know, eggs by themselves will not make a good cake. Flour just won't do it. But whenever you take these ingredients and you put them together and go through the proper mode, whenever it's all said and done, you're going to have a nice fluff. I hope it's fluffy, fluffy, moist cake there uh, ready to eat. Well, it's not just repentance by itself for this remission of sins, but it's baptism along with that for remission of sins. And so another step in our salvation experience is this thing called Baptism to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Mark 16 verse 15 states these words. He says, and he, Jesus, said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. He also said in Acts 22 and verse 16, And now why tarriest thou arise, amen, and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So a third step, we got faith, we got repentance, and number three, we got baptism. And number four, uh, a most glorious step is the infilling of the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit, as it were, living inside of us. Romans 8, 11 tells us this. He was writing to the church at Rome and he says, here are some words to consider. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, he said, dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So do you want resurrection you want newness of life. You want that change. He said the spirit of Christ must dwell in you. And if that same spirit that indwelt him dwells in you, the change is inevitable. The change will happen. He said in Romans 8, 9, but ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So this morning, though, I'd like to consider faith and repentance, faith and repentance today, amen, concerning this salvation experience, amen. Salvation is a marvelous work of God. He has saved us from a lot of things. I'll tell you that right now. He has saved us from our sin. Uh, he has saved us from some woe, uh, some heartache, but it's a marvelous work. Salvation is of separating us from sin. Because see, sin did quite the contrary in the beginning. Sin separated us from God. Adam and Eve upon sinning uh, there in the garden was taken out of the garden from the tree of life. Uh, they had fellowship with the Lord every day there in the garden that we read of. But whenever transgression entered their lives, sin separated them from God. But God put, had a plan already in mind from the beginning. Amen. A salvation plan that could reverse, if you will, what took place in the garden. And so where sin separated us from God, God says, I got one better than that. I have a salvation experience that can separate you from sin and once again put you in relationship with God. Amen, reuniting us with God. That's really what salvation is about, reuniting us with God putting us back in fellowship with God. Now we call that garden, that garden of Eden, we call it paradise. 
So in essence, paradise is when you're in right relationship with God. Amen. Paradise is whenever we're in good standing with God. And to live outside of that is to live outside of paradise. To live without that is to live without paradise. So God, through his salvation work, is just one to put us back in a place of paradise. Put us back into relationship, amen, with him. Jesus Christ, he preached the first two steps here in Mark chapter number 1 and verse number 14. He says in 15, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, this was his own message to repent ye and believe the gospel. Now we ask ourselves the question, why does mankind need to be saved? Well, we've already said we needed saved from our sin, amen, because it's in rebellion to God, in disobedience to God, it's an offense to God, and because there's none of us that's not been a sinner. Amen. There's none of us that have not been a sinner. Acts 3 and verse 10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. And verse 23, 4, look, there's none righteous. Amen. There is nobody that was born out of their mother's womb that was so good and so well that from the point of exit the womb, they could just somehow live through life any old way and make heaven their home. That's just not the way it is. There is none that is righteous. All have sinned and come short of the glory of the Lord. Scripture, it says, all have sinned. Romans 5.12 tells us again, wherefore, as by one man, speaking of Adam, sin entered into the world. Thank you, Adam. High-fiving, give him a pat on the back and a thank you card for doing the great deeds that happened in the garden. Amen. By one sin, by one man, sin entered into the world. So we live with what we live with, uh, a great due to what happened in the first family. All right. Sin entered into the word, world according to the word of God. And so we thank him, I guess, for that. And death by sin, the Bible says. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So again, here we are. Because of Adam and Eve and what happened there, there is not a person upon this planet in time past, present, or ever will be that is not born into sin. David said he was shaping in iniquity. In sin did his mother give birth to him. Every single one of us are born into sin. And so, uh, you know, as an outsider looking at people at church, sometimes you can be very intimidated. Man, can look at those people. Those are just such good people. Let me tell you, all of those good people that go under the building and under the place of a steeple have not always been good people. Amen. Uh, we had, and still do, trouble sometimes. We had our attitudes. We had our addictions. Amen. We had our faults and failures. The church can be a very intimidating place for people from the outside. Amen. But scripture puts us all on the same shelf and level when it says all have sinned. Amen. All have sinned. And so that's us. And the Bible says, though, we got great hope today. We've all sinned, so we're all in this collective pot. All right, we're all in this, it's, it's not big sin, little sin, it's sin. So we've all been put in that collective pot of sin and look though then what the Bible says in Matthew 1, 21, a lot of scripture here this morning. And she, speaking of Mary, 
in the New Testament shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So I got this dark cloud upon my life that we've already given to each and every, every individual. You all have sinned. You were born into sin. You were shaped into sin. That was your lot in life. By good old Adam, we are sinners. But I don't want to leave you on that end of the spectrum. Because the angel told Mary, you're going to have a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. And the Bible says, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's the reason why God said, no man can come to me except through him. Because Jesus Christ was going to come and take the ultimate dilemma of the world of every generation of being separated from paradise in the depths of sin, left with a big dilemma, if you will, in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, there is a ray of hope. There's a child going to be born that's going to be reared in a home and in a family for the purpose of dying and shedding blood. Why? So that the sin problem of the Old Testament and generations gone by can be solved through Jesus Christ. He's going to save his people from their sins. Now sin, sin can be an active thing or sin can be a passive thing. In other words, there's sins of commission. There's things that we do. Well, that was sin. But whenever we refrain from other things, that can be sin as well. Sins of commission are those active sins. It's those deliberate actions that we do that are against the will of God, against his word, things that we actively do. Mark 7 and verse 21 says this, For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blaspheming, pride, foolishness, all evil, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. Amen. Uh, there was a problem because uh, some of the uh, scribes and Pharisees had seen Jesus' disciples and they said, Lord, why, why are they eating meat with unwashed hands, basically? And uh, that's not the tradition of men was not of that kind. I know we tell our children the same thing, but nevertheless, uh, what Christ's point was this. It's not what a man puts inside of his body that defiles the man, but it's the things that come from the individual's heart, amen, that defiles the person. Because in reality, all these things that we do in life find their place, first of all, in our thoughts, if you will, of our heart and mind. Amen. Before we act upon anything, we have already considered it, weighed it out. Amen. Uh, premeditated, if you will, in our heart and mind. So he says all these things, these actions that we see have a root in the heart and mind. And so if we can get the heart and mind, amen, headed in the right direction, that will dictate where the actions go. Amen. It's really what he's saying. And that's the reason why we need to come to the Lord and find a new heart so that that new heart will give us new actions or different actions than what we once had. But the sins of omission, passive sins, if you will, is failing to do what God wants us to do, all right? James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin, all right? Amen. 
But secondly, uh, we, we, we need to be saved because we need to be saved from our sin and we need to be saved from separation. I've already alluded that to that before. What separation do we need to be saved from? Well, we need to be saved from our separation from God. Amen. We're isolated from God. We're quarantined from God whenever we live in sin. We cannot have fellowship with God. Uh, Isaiah spoke to it of the people in his day of Isaiah 59 and verse 2. He says, but your iniquities... He stated very plainly. He said, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. He says, you want to know what separated you from God? He says, it was your iniquities. Amen. John 9, 31 even says, we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doth his will, him will he hear. If you come to God with a contrite spirit, and a willingness heart. God knows that. God will hear that. God will understand that. But we also need to be saved. Mankind does. Because we need to be saved from our sin. Saved from separation. But we also need to be saved from death. Because we understand the end or the wages of sin is death. Not only is that death in a spiritual sense. But there is a death someday in a real sense. Of eternal punishment that I desire not to have any a part of. Amen. Webster Dictionary defines salvation as the spiritual rescue from the consequences of sin. Amen. I need that type of rescue from the consequences of sin. And there is everlasting consequences to sin. Amen. Ezekiel 18 verse 20 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Romans 6 23, as I said, the wages of sin is what? Death. Amen. And so, as it would be, while there will be great salvation for all, and our salvation will be complete one day, whenever Christ returns and takes his people home, there will be the complete salvation there because we won't no longer be living in this world or, or, or among the things that we deal and contend with, but there will also be someday judgment. Amen. And God will have wrath someday upon all those, amen, that sin or who are sinners. And we need to be saved from that wrath Saved from that punishment, saved from that death. The Bible says in Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved, what? From wrath or from punishment through him. Amen. Uh, we're still all going to, if, if, if the Lord tarries, we're still all going to die. We're still all going to die a, a physical death. Amen. But there's, a, there's something beyond just the physical death that I'm concerned about. And that's the second death I made uh, mention of this past Wednesday. Uh, as Again, the first death just separates your body from your soul. But that second death will separate you eternally, amen, from the presence of God without any hope of anything but eternal punishment. And so I, I want to escape death amen so salvation doesn't spare me from a physical death but it will promise me to be resurrected amen and save me from that second death amen so our first step toward God is that we come to God with faith it's essential we must have faith we must have trust in God we must have confidence in God and in his word. And to have faith, a lot of people just throw around the word. You just simply need to believe, depend, rely, if you will, upon God. The Bible says in Acts 16 and verse 31, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. 
And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house so they believed on the Lord Jesus they believed upon him uh, not only that we see them being baptized amen we see these things taking place that were illustrated in Acts chapter number two amen faith must be in God it cannot be in a church amen uh, now we we can facilitate a place where you can meet God but we can't really do much beyond that any other church that says differently, they're lying straight through their teeth. Our allegiance is not to the church so much as it is to the God of the church. Amen. Uh, you, you, <laughs> I could go a lot of places right there, but we're not going anywhere but right where we're supposed to be. You must have faith in God. Amen. And it's not a person, even a person in the church. I'm the pastor of this church, and I appreciate any faith you may have in me, but having faith in me is not going to save your soul. Having faith in me is not going to cleanse you from your past by no means. And having faith in any other man that's in any other facility called a church is not going to do it either. Amen. Uh, some want to put men upon a pedestal, and let me tell you, that don't do it because it does nothing for your salvation. It does absolutely nothing for your salvation. Amen. We need to be concerned what God, amen, has to say about. So it's not institutions. It's not people. It's not events. It's none of these things. It must be in God. Mark, Mark, Jesus answered a few people and he told them, he said, have faith what? He said, have faith in God. Amen. He said that your faith, if I may, First uh, Corinthians 2, 5, he says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in what? In the power of God. God. So don't have a misplaced faith. You can have a lot of faith, but you got to have the right object of faith. Let your faith be in God. And so also faith must be then in the name of Jesus Christ. John 1 12 says, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. First John 5 13 says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Acts 4.12, I know there's a lot of verses. You're not gonna go to all these. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so we must have faith because it's a step in the plan of salvation. You gotta have faith in God in order to go to God, amen. And it must be appropriately, amen, set, not in a person, not in an institution, not in the church, but in God. And it must also, Lord, carry on the name, amen, of Jesus Christ. And faith must ever be continuing in our life. I wanna grow in my faith. I want to grow in my faith. Scripture says that every man's been given a measure of faith, but I want to grow in my faith. And our faith must be consistent. It must be steadfast. We should not have less faith today than what we did when we first believed. Amen. That's the reason why in the New Testament Scripture, the gateway to Revelation, the book of Jude, he told them, I was going to come and talk to you about salvation. He says, but I've come and I'm going to tell you, we must earnestly contend for the faith. So I was going to talk to you about salvation, but I'm going to tell you, contend for the faith. Why? Because faith is the first step. Amen. The inroad to salvation. 
He said, you got to believe. Don't, don't, don't lose the faith that they had. You got to remain constant and consistent and steadfast concerning the faith because I want to be as it was spoken of the apostle Paul whenever he's coming toward the close of his life. Amen. I fought a good fight and I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me on that day and to all of them that are looking toward his appearing. I want that to be able to be said of me. I want to be standfast in the faith. Amen. Building up yourself, the scripture talks about in our most holy faith. It admonishes us in Colossians to continue, to continue in the faith. But with my faith, I want to add to that repentance. Amen. Everybody say repentance. Repentance. I want to turn from sin and turn toward God. Repentance is a very major theme throughout the Old and New Testament. Mankind was called to repent. The prophets of old told those of old to repent. Noah, the Bible says, was a preacher in his day. He was a preacher of repentance and righteousness. All the minor and major prophets, amen, were preachers of repentance. Amen. Uh, we see even John the Baptist Amen, the, the forerunner of Christ, his message before the Lord ever came was even a message of repentance. He said, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so whenever we look at the word repentance, it's translated really from a lot of different words in the Bible. Amen, in the Old Testament, amen, it comes from a word that can mean to sigh or to groan or to be sorry. Literally, it meant to have difficulty in breathing while one experiences intense emotion. Now that is repentance. I know sometimes I've had difficulty breathing thinking about some of my past or things and wrongs that I've done. And with a sorrowful sign or groan, I've been sorry sometimes in tears, crocodile tears, call them whatever you want, flow down my face because I was absolutely humiliated in my spirit that I would treat my Savior and my Lord maybe as though I had treated him. There's another word that it comes from in the Old Testament that means to turn back, to make, I like this, to make a radical change in attitude towards sin and God. To make, a, everybody say radical. Now you've called people radical before. Somebody that had a lot of fervor for whatever it was. You know, a lot of fervor, they, everything hands down. You know, they invest their time there. They invest their money there. They're radicals. They're fanatics. Well, there is a, a word then, repentance from in the Old Testament time is a turn back to make a radical change. Radical change. This was quite bizarre to me. Uh, very bizarre to me, but uh, I guess to a certain degree. But I was talking with another one of my neighbors that lived behind me. And uh, his name is his name's Marshall. And uh, they have just here recently, he and his daughter have been on a mission trip uh, to a foreign country. And he came back and he she was showing me pictures and stuff of everything that took place. And so we, we oftentimes talk because we're all in the back with the kids and us. We go in the backyard and play around and Don and such. And we were back there and Don just asked, she said, you know, one of those million dollar questions. What, what was just the thing that just... Uh, you know, that, that grabbed your attention the most, being over there among all of them and on this mission trip, what was it? What impacted you 
the most. And he said, well, I guess the thing that probably impacted me the most is before going over, about three or so months before going over, said there was a girl there that had become a Christian about three months prior to us being there. He says, when we go and we went over there, we met her and her hands, her hands, he said, are charred and burnt. And she burnt her own hands. Now listen to me. She burnt her own hands, he said, because she had little tattoos all up and down all over her fingers. And they said, why in the world do you do that? She said, because I just associated that with my past life. And she said, I didn't want that a part of my new life. Now you want, if there's ever a definition of radical change, that there was a big example to me of radical change of this girl who's coming to the Lord and she says, that just reminds me too much of my past life. I'll just set my own fingers to torch so that that will not be there as a reminder anymore. Now, I'm not asking anybody to set yourself on fire whenever you leave this building today, all right? Now, let's set that out. Yeah, we went over to that First Apostolic Church, 1121 Street, and he told us to set ourselves on fire. No, thank you. That is not what I'm just trying to illustrate you today for this woman over there in that foreign country. Doing that for her was a way of radical. She didn't want there to be anything in her life that was going to remind her of her old life. Because you know what happens whenever we start get to reminded of our own life and we start then to ponder about where we were and what we used to do? Because sin does have its pleasure and its allurements. If we don't watch ourselves in a moment of weakness, we'll start having an appetite for the things that we once were. An appetite for the things that we once did. Amen. I'm not too good. I'm not too good to fall down that path or go down that road. Amen. But we need a radical change if you will a radical turnaround amen away from God away from sin and toward God why are you doing that because I don't want anything to stroke the appetite of my old life or my old man I don't want to go down that path again and I'm still human I'm living and Christ may live in me but I'm still living as a human being upon this world and so that quite capable could happen. The, 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 the prophet Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 14 and verse 6 he says therefore say unto the house of Israel thus saith the Lord God this is what he said he said repent and turn yourselves from your idols and he says and turn away your faces from all your abomination. He said repent. Now, he said, you got to turn away from that stuff. He said, you can't just constantly engage in that and be able to live a life of victory and an overcomer's life. Uh, another term that repentance comes from in the New Testament, it comes from a word that means to think different, differently, to change one's mind or purpose or reversal of direction. I'm to, we serve a different purpose than what we serve prior to coming to the Lord. Right. Amen. Our purpose is not the same. Our purpose is not the same. It is absolutely different. Amen. And so whenever we put these things together, we understand then that repentance to a certain degree, if we put these definitions together of these words, amen, that repentance involves remorse. It, revolves, it involves being sorry, if you will, for our sins, regretting, amen, those things. It involves an inner change of thinking, a new mindset, a new way of thinking. It involves an outward, although there's an inward change of thinking, there's an outward change of direction, amen, with our lifestyle, our manners, our behavior, our conversation, amen. We can't truly experience remorse without repenting. True remorse. Uh, you can cry. People cry because they've done wrong. 
Some cry because they got caught. Amen. But you need some true repentance. The Bible says godly sorrow work of repentance. Amen. Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow work of repentance to salvation. <laughs> not to be repented of. Amen. It's not just tears, but true repentance. The Bible speaks in the New Testament of Esau, the Old Testament. It said that he sought a place of repentance, even with tears he did. But evidently we have no uh, record in Scripture that he ever found it. So t- it, was more, it takes more than just tears because we can cry because we got caught. We can cry over a lot of things, but we got to cry with that remorse and with that, that deep felt desire that, man, this is going to be changed. This is going to be an altering moment in my life. If you'll stand with me this morning, I'll come to a close. In essence, repentance is the death that we should desire because it's the death of the old man, the sinful man, the carnal man. The Bible said in Romans, he said that our old man is crucified. It dies with Christ. Why? That the body of sin might be destroyed. And so I want to die with Christ. I want the old man to be crucified, that old carnal nature to be crucified. Why? Because I want to live with the Lord today. If we can just bow our heads all across this place, And I know we may have just been stepping through some elementary truths this morning. Amen. But while this may be common to some, it may not be common to everybody, said or none to the sound of my voice. I pray, oh God, today, right now, Lord Jesus, over these people this morning. I pray, God, over each and every individual that's come to the house of the Lord today. I pray, God, over those, God, that may have never heard of an idea or a concept of faith. Never ever heard, Lord, of a concept or an idea, Lord, of repentance or turning life around. God, they may have come here, Lord Jesus, with a deep sense, God, of where they currently are in life and needing, Lord Jesus, an alteration or a change, and it can be found, Lord, in you. I pray, oh God, today, Lord, move upon our hearts and minds. God, as people, Lord, of this precious, precious book, God, let not these things become old to us. Let not these things, Lord, become so well-worn, God, but they're no longer, Lord, relative. God, help us, Lord, to pull them in close to our lives. God, Ah, let my faith be stronger today than what it was yesterday. Let there be, Lord, a proper, Lord, place in my life every day of repentance, calling out to the Lord and needing, God, some things in my life to be altered and changed and redirected. I pray, oh God, today you're able to help us, Lord Jesus, in that, Lord, experience today. Minister God, minister God, minister God, minister God, minister God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother and Sister Mason, if we could just have a... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.